All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me again about the part where you can force yourself to do it. Speak of that again. Yeah, yeah. So I guess sort of my approach in the past to doing things was to maybe not uh, just meditation specifically. Like, uh, you know, even if I didn't feel like sitting down at a certain point, I'd be like, you know what? You just got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like that's kind of problematic a little bit. But at the same time, you know, when I did that in the mornings, it got to the point where it was just like an automatic thing that kind of just happened. Okay. Like once I built that habit. So I'm like, is it okay to kind of... Oh, but the habit is you got to do it. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. And then it turns it, yeah, yeah. Do you know where that you got to do it stuff resides, where it comes from, etc.? Uh, not exactly, but I, I mean, that's something I've been just earlier today. I had that really, like I was thinking of all these things. I'm like, oh, I got to do this, got to do that. And then like, what is all this stuff I've got to do? And why does it bother me? But Well, how old were you when you first started to hear that you got to do this and you got to do that? <laughs> I don't know if I remember. It was probably pretty far back <laughs> and so in a way all you're doing when you say you got to do this you got to do that you got to meditate or whatever it is you're just mm-hmm. playing an old tape mm-hmm. okay and often not only do you play that old tape but you believe it and then you sit down and you do what you were told to do whether you like it or not mm-hmm And somewhere in the bottom of all of that, there is kind of the half promise that if you go ahead and do all of this for long enough, eventually you'll get a reward. Mm -hmm. Well, in a Pali word, that is putajana. Another word for it in Pali is silabhata paramasa. And it's called the second fetter. Sila basa paramasa means attachments to the way you should do things. It's not very well translated. It's translated as rites, rules, and rituals. But when people really mm-hmm. start to understand Buddhism and they hear about Sila basa paramasa is rites, rules, and rituals, they think of the rites at the temple, the rules of society, the relig- the rituals of religion, etc., like that. Because of that miscommunication, people miss it. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about these rules, these rites, these rituals, mm-hmm. these shoulds, these orders that I give myself and then carry out without actually liking it very much. Mm-hmm. All right. That in fact, what the Buddha calls this, he calls it a woeful state because that part of us, the natural part of us inside that we could actually call the natural child is now acting like and pretending to be 
a domesticated um, animal, a draft animal of going along to get along, to do what you were told to do. It's quite instinctual, these rules. <laughs> and so we picked them up from childhood and then ordering our, order ourselves around for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Looking for uh, um, the satisfaction or the reward that never really comes. Hmm. Okay. So it seems like what I like uh, the idea that I have now is something along the lines of like okay like if I just sit down and meditate more times throughout the day then I'll feel good and it'll be like you know oh this is good but yeah yeah so it seems like there would be a reward. But would you be say uh, I don't know, could you? There could be. But in yeah, fact, yeah. the reward itself is to have the mm. freedom of the hindrances out of the mind. Mm-hmm. And part of the hindrances is you should meditate. Okay. And so instead of saying you should meditate, mm-hmm. you could say instead, this is meditation. When I don't have to listen to that crap. Gotcha, gotcha. Because I'm waking up to that crap in the mind called hindrances that the very reason for sitting down to meditation has now become a, a hindrance to you. You should mm-hmm. meditate. Yeah, and that's something that's happened a little bit. Like, I won't want to actually go sit down and meditate, but I'll just do something along those lines and just kind of just sit well, there. That's, maybe. that's the natural Anapanasati. Who says yeah. that you have to squat on the floor yeah. the way that it's been trained into the minds of the Westerners? Mm. That, in fact, um, it not only is possible, but has happened that I would walk into a, a Wat that's very famous for, for monks. Good teachers, everybody is joyful, nobody meditating. Hmm. And the Westerners will freak out. These guys are not meditating. <laughs> what kind of monks are they? And when he smiles back at you, that's a meditation. <laughs> he doesn't have to go squat on the floor. He has to be awake. That's what meditation is. In fact, a lot of people think that meditation is basically going on the, sitting on the floor and working really hard, getting the mind tired, getting it into a dull state where they go really deep, where they can get some insights into all of these hindrances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the real practice of the Buddha, the Anapanasati practice is Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda. See that that is Dukkha and stop doing it. That that's in fact part of the reason why that I gave you to come out of a long sitting into shorter sittings Mm -hmm. so that we can keep the mind up and alert so that you can bring the mind really up. And you're not taking that opportunity because you're still caught in the hindrance of you should meditate. 
Hmm. Instead of saying, wow, this is so nice. I really like meditation. <laughs> Good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we actually have to throw those hindrances out. There are many kinds of hindrances that come up that are spoken of by the Buddha, but he's got them in classifications in ways that affected the people of the day and that we have those hindrances come up in other ways that we need more Western speaking or terms about. Mm -hmm. And so this is why I introduced this quality of the parent ego state. You see, Byrne took Freud and, and changed the wisdom of Freud. Freud had the, the, the concept of the id, the superego, and the ego. Have you ever heard of those things? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Byrne changed the nomenclature to make it more understandable, and he called it the parent, the adult, and the child. Okay. The Buddha knew about it, too, and talked about it uh, in other ways, and including the fact that there is more than one word in the Pali for mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, the higher mind is manu. Same word as human and man and whatnot, to where the, uh, the, the more uh, primitive part of the brain, including the thinking and feeling part, is called sita. And that we put Sita, not Mana, as part of the um, four foundations of mindfulness. Because we have to see this thinking stuff, which is in fact the superego. We go around ordering ourselves and judging this, that, and the other thing. That's what the job of the parent ego state is, or the superego, is to try to not make sense out of the world, but to try to make the world conform to the uh, the sense that we've already figured out. And we spent our whole time uh, in society from childhood putting that world together about how the world ought to be. You ought to go meditate, for instance. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the reality of the situation is, is that that superego is actually the source of all the rites, rules, rituals. That is the Silabasa Paramasa. Of going around telling yourself or ordering yourself around, making judgments, and you can become free from all of that. Now, one of the things that Eric Byrne talks about is the critical parent versus the nurturing parent. And they point out that throughout the, the way that children in the West are raised, is, is that we are raised much more with critical parents and the parents themselves spend very little time in nurturing and most of their time in training us, which means critical. And so we are then grow up being critical of ourselves in the same voice that we've heard it our whole lives. And mm -hmm. we haven't spent much time nurturing ourselves. So now is the time for you to either give up that parent ego state altogether, or at least give up the critical part, and start nurturing yourself. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you hear yourself say, you, you ought to go meditate, you can say instead in a very nurturing way, wow, I'm really glad you caught that one. 
Mm-hmm. I saw that critical parent. Out you go. And now mm. I am meditating. Yeah. Because I'm aware of that critical parent ego state. So that, like just in that moment, being aware of it, that's the, a meditation, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. Sati. You woke up, yeah. you investigated, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you saw it. Mm-hmm. The question now is, are you going to keep doing it or are you going to change? Mm-hmm. Right? If you're going to change it, then that's right effort. If you're not going to change it, if you're just going to let yourself sit there and be critical of yourself, whether you know it or not, then that's not much right effort and it's not much change. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's use this analogy. We've probably heard it before, but it still applies. And that is you're standing in the road and here comes a big truck bearing right down on you. And you see it coming. Mm-hmm. And you stand there and you let it hit you. Run right over you. Is that right action? Is that right uh, effort? Or would be standing out of the way of it? Probably, probably standing out of the way of it. Okay. All right. So here you are then being critical of yourself. And you know it's happening. Are you going to continue to be critical of yourself? Are you going to take that big back truck and back up over you and run yourself down several times mm-hmm. with it? Are you yeah, going to yeah. say, right, no, I'm, I'm out of the road now. I'm not going to be out there in traffic. I'm going to stand here and be happy and let uh, old parenting pass on by. It's weird how seductive it can be sometimes to just like feed into that. Because there are times where I notice like, oh, I'm being like hard on myself or like, oh, this isn't a super productive line of thought. And then I'm like, well, let's just keep thinking it anyway. And then I don't know. So what do you do in those situations where you have like just enough sati to be like, oh, wait, that's, but then it kind of, you know, not quite enough to. But that's the beginner sati. We have to Mm -hmm. wake up completely. One of the things that we need to wake up to in this regard is, is that thoughts are not me. I am (laughs) not my thoughts. If anything, I'm the observer of the thoughts. A little later, Mm -hmm. we understand that I am not my feelings. That I'm the observer of the feelings. I am not the feelings. I am not the thought. Mm -hmm. And then with uh, Freud and Byrne coming in, we could say that I am not the superego. I am not my own parent, nor am I my child. The feeling one. That I'm the adult in the room. Hmm. Well, that adult, that frontal cortex, that takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of energy. It's like a supercomputer as opposed to a laptop. No power for the laptop, fine, it's got a little battery. But a supercomputer, it needs power. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to get that power for our supercomputer? We're going to get it from the blood both the, uh, uh, the oxygen and the fuel. But if we're not breathing very well, there's not going to be so much oxygen there. This is part of the reason why we want to take part of our right effort is to start breathing deeply. So basically, the first thing that you can say is when uh, you ought to meditate, the first thing that happens is, <gasps> oh, <laughs> deep breath. That's the meditation. Mm-hmm. 
that's the right effort to take a deep breath and to say, you know, I am. I am meditating. I know I'm meditating because I feel good. Mm-hmm. And when I'm thinking you ought to meditate, that's not meditation. That's just the same old habit you've been in all these years. Yeah, yeah. So, sati has to be strong. The example I use is every morning when you wake up, generally people, when they wake up, they wake up with an alarm. Few people wake up naturally. <laughs> when you wake up with an alarm, what do you do? Uh, just kind of jolt out a bit. This, most people will throw the snooze alarm and take another mm -hmm. five minutes of sleeping. Okay. Waking up is not the same as getting up out of bed. Mm -hmm. Generally, the getting up out of bed only happens after you're fully awake. So there's a process of waking up. It's not a off and on situation. Uh, but there are situations that are like that off and on. One of them is, are you going to be critical or are you going to be nurturing? That's kind of an off and on. But awake and asleep, no, there's various degrees of that. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying that you wake up, and most people, when they wake up enough, when, let us say, the beginners, and they go and do a, um, a Gawanka retreat, and they hear him say, when the mind wanders away, never mind, start again. And so when they hear that, then they say, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got to remember to see the mind wandering away and then come back to the breath, take a deep breath and start again. But then in practice, they wake up only enough to say, oh, the mind has wandered away. Oh, my goodness, what a terrible mind this is. I'm slow. Maybe I need a better teacher or this meditation is not a good one. Or maybe my mind is dull right now and I can't, I'm not fit for meditation. All of that is hindrance. All of that is hindrance. What, mean, what it means is, is that we woke up only enough to solve the, see the hindrance, but then we're still laying in it. We haven't actually gotten up and gotten out of it. Mm -hmm. We have to be fully awake. So part of our uh, situation with right effort, right view, and right sati uh, is that they run and circle around each other. So that sati will help the effort and effort will help the sati to take the effort to actually come out of the hindrances. Once we come out of them over and over again, now we're beginning to get the, uh, the idea that we can do this. And eventually, pretty soon, we get to the point that, hey, it doesn't matter how hindered the mind gets, I can come out of it and be here now. But see, you're not there yet. Because you're mm -hmm. still in the hindrance. You haven't been able to fully see hindrances yet. Mm. And so being able to see them as hindrances is any thought or any feeling or any activity that I would engage in that is not absolutely joyful. Hmm. That you're hindered from joy. So if that parent says you ought to go meditate, that's not joyful. But taking a deep breath and says, "Well, I am meditating, though. I'm <laughs> I'm out. I'm free from that kind of thought." Then that's joyful. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Bring your joyfulness into this and bring it in mm. naturally in the sense of the trigger is to see this stuff as hindrance. And you can say, I, I don't have to do that. The Buddha had the phrase, aha, I see you. Aha, I see <laughs> you, Mara. Now, when he's saying that, he's actually saying it in that phrase of aha, I see you means that the adult ego state, the frontal cortex, sees this mid-range dialogue between the parent and the reptilian brain, the child. You ought to do this. You ought to meditate. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't want to meditate. You ought to meditate. Oh, I don't want to meditate. (laughs) (laughs) Only you ought to meditate is verbal, and I don't want to meditate is done in feeling. It's not done in uh, verbal back. That's what uh, yeah. interesting yeah. part about the uh, uh, the id or the um, uh, the child ego state that Byrne is talking about is is that it's not verbal, but it sure does a lot of thinking. But all mm-hmm. the thinking it does is in feeling. And what our job yeah. is is to get that feeling part of us feeling good because the child knows how to feel good, but not while it's being criticized. Hmm. And so here you are saying you ought to meditate. That's a criticism. And your ego goes, or your uh, id goes, and then the resistance, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, is in there with it. All is a matter of feeling. And the Buddha says that too is a hindrance. So the whole dialogue between the parent and the child is in fact heavily influenced as hindrance but we can break Mm -hmm. that cycle the adult ego state can in fact kind of insist that the parent be nurturing Mm. to begin to have happy thoughts yeah yeah to whistle a happy tune That in fact, one of the uh, old things that I used to tell students was various meditations, and I'm going to introduce you now. The reason I don't do it anymore is because it's so old. It's an old, old joke, maybe too old for you. Hmm. But I call it the James Brown meditation. Do you know James the, Brown? Yeah, yeah. The Okay. Like, I feel good. That, that. The, that's it. You did yep, it. Yep. You did it. I feel good. <laughs> da, 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 da. Like I knew I would now. Okay, you can do that. Look at mm-hmm. your face right now. Notice what I just be playing with you a little bit, and now you're you're up. Yeah, yeah. You, you can do that yourself. You can sing, I feel good now. Mm-hmm. And feel good. So James Brown, in that regard, I mean, the rest of the song, I'm not really sure about, but at least that first <laughs> opening note, that's, that'll get you. Yeah, yeah. But then there's many songs that can help. There's also imagery mm-hmm. that you can use. Um, imageries of vistas, imageries of uh, uh, sunsets, many, many different things, whatever it is that literally turns you on, turns on your joy juice, Mm -hmm. experiment and find that. That's what we mean by gladdening the mind. So spend some time investigating what is it that you can think of that's going to make you feel really good. 
Mm-hmm. And you should be doing that several times a day. And when I say meditation several times a day, that doesn't mean you got to squat on the floor in a certain posture and do all of this formality. No, I'm mm-hmm. talking about throwing out the hindrances and, and um, put on a, uh, a joyful show for yourself for a moment. Come back to the reality that everything is fine. Everything is great. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to think about. Kind of sort of flipped my whole idea well, of meditation. That's what I've been trying to do for a while is to flip all yeah, of this yeah. stuff upside down mm-hmm. because many, most people have got a really wrong attitude about what meditation is. Meditation, in fact, if there's anything to it at all, is to stop contemplation, stop cogitating. Stop mm-hmm. thinking about stuff. Stop having a dialogue about what you ought and should do. Mm-hmm. And just enjoy the heck out of your moment. In that regard, actually, meditation that we're talking about here, Anapanasati, is not really meditation at all because real meditation is cogitation and worry and trying <laughs> to figure out how many people are in the Trinity and uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, how to get resurrected and <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, we we leave off the cogitation. We leave off all the shoulds, the woulds, the coulds, and throw that stuff out. And say, hey, I feel good right now. <laughs> okay. So one one other thing I wanted to ask about is just. Uh, it seems like my lifestyle is kind of like working against just kind of being happy in the moment. Like, uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just the whole work. Capitalism is like that. Yeah, yeah. Capitalism actually wants to put you to work for their benefit, whoever the they's are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to pay you everything you're worth. They're going to cheat you. You're not going to get a day's pay. You, you agree to a salary or um, a, an hourly wage, but when the guy who offers you that hourly wage, he already knows he's going to be able to make money off of you. If he can't make any money off of you, why should he hire you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or even if, like, my like, I sort of buying into that, and then, like, I've just been working a lot lately, and like, you know, I got like a raise, and I'm like, yeah, this just doesn't feel right. And I don't know. All right. Well, this is the introduction into a whole new world because it also mm-hmm. has quite a lot to do with this feel about the paramasa. Not only are are you telling yourself. Uh, you ought to go meditate. Mm-hmm. That's, it's the same voice, and all it's done is just change the language and words just a little bit. Yeah, you ought to yeah. go do something. You ought to go to work. Yep. You're lazy. Yep. 
funny thing. I don't hear many people call monks lazy. And yet it's, they're the laziest crowd I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't do anything all day except sit around and feel good and talk to each other about how good they feel. So it's okay to be lazy. We don't hmm. have to be productive. That in fact, part of that parent ego state somewhere in there will have the phrase that it'll pick up and throw at you. If you don't work, you don't eat. You ever <laughs> heard that? Yeah, yeah. You ever said it out loud? No, no, I don't think so. Good for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it true? You don't work, you don't eat. I don't know. It might be. It seems like. Absolutely, it's not true. Mm. There are millions and millions of people who are unemployed for one reason or another who are Mm. not starving. Mm. And there are a lot of people in the United States that are employed, and yet they still don't have adequate food, adequate shelter. The, the, having a job is just doing what the man tells you to do. And he's not interested in your welfare. Mm-hmm. He's interested in keeping you employed so he can make some money off of you. That was what health care was all about in the first place in the U.S. Was the employers mm-hmm. are going to pay some health care to keep the people working. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And now it's a prison. You got to keep working for me or you'll lose your insurance. Ha ha. Yeah. yeah. Insurance have anything to do with employment. It doesn't really. No, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So um, that that part inside the mind, you got to do it. You got to work. You got to work to eat. You got to do whatever what you're told to do all of that is the way that you were raised in childhood but you're Mm -hmm. an adult now and you can see that in fact there's other options and in fact this is why the buddha set up the sangha in the first place was to have a group of friends who took care of each other so that nobody had to work much Mm -hmm. all right all And so that's what you need. You don't need a job. You need some friends. Gosh, it took me so many years to figure that one out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's what the Buddhist temples are all about. Mm -hmm. And so um, learning to live with less, less housing, less food, less clothing, uh, less medical attention to bring it down to a baseline because after that, there's not much you need anymore. And yet in our, in our society, people are expected to work 8, 10, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day. <laughs> Why? Because of greed, that whatever they get, it's not enough. What would happen when some when people start to, to set limits and say, okay, above this limit is enough. 
and I don't have to work anymore after that. And the only work that they have is, in fact, to lower that bar so that there's less and less and less and less that has to be done. Mm-hmm. And more and more and more free time with nothing to do and no place to go. Just sit around being hunky dory. And so this is where the where the Dhamma goes for each individual is the deeper one gets into the Dhamma, the more we actually do want to leave that world out there. Yeah, we don't need so much. We don't need so much from it anymore. So how does that start? Like just kind of. Incrementally learning to live with like. Or not yeah. even learning, just kind of saying, oh, actually. One would be getting out of debt. Mm-hmm. Get yourself out of debt. If you don't owe anybody anything, then now you've got better choices. But if you're in debt, yeah. you'll always worry. Boy, is that a hindrance, being in debt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so getting out of debt's the first thing. Uh, recognizing that all the clothes that you already have is probably well enough. So your clothing purchase uh, goes to virtually zero. Mm-hmm. That you start eating easier, simpler foods. That you look for cheaper housing. And in that case, I would say the best place to look for really cheap housing is at the, uh, one of the 300 or more uh, Asian watts in the United States. Mm-hmm. And move in there. The important thing would be if you're single. If you're single, then you can go live in the Watt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could be married and go live in the Watt. The only problem is the wife doesn't want you in the Watt. She wants you at home so she can get you to do what she wants you to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, yes, the real Dhamma is a real change in lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That, in fact, this is one of the points about the, uh, the soda pond, is that a lot of people on Reddit, uh, especially on the stream entry, will say, I've streamed entry, I'm a, I'm a soda pond, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm another thing. If they mm-hmm. still got a full-time job, we can scratch our chin and say, hmm, not sure. <laughs> yeah. Soda ponds generally are dedicated to the Dhamma, not the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, would it be possible to be like a soda pond and then still work like some sure. job? Yeah, yes, yeah. the Buddha talks about householders mm-hmm. uh, who are who are lay followers who are who are soda pond, but generally the lay uh, uh Householders of the Buddhist time were like landowners. When they say householders, we're not talking about uh, street dwellers or the poor. We're talking mm-hmm. about landed folks. And for them, what the Buddha would recommend is he said, okay, all of your land, all of your business, all of your cattle and all of that, give all the responsibilities for all of that stuff to someone else, like your wife. Let her be the boss here. 
So if you're actually married now and living the normal household life that we have in the West, the easy way to do is to follow along with that. Okay, I'm a Dhamma dude when I'm off work. And so my <laughs> wife can take care of the house. She can do what it that she wants to do. Let her take care of it. Hmm. Let her be the boss here. She's the one to decide which school the kids go to, what clothes they wear, what house we live in, what job I have. All of that kind of stuff is up to her. And what is my job? My job is to figure out, oh, wow, how much I like her doing all the work. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hmm. So it really is a matter of withdrawing from the world. Mm Mm-hmm is to uh, turn loose of it, let it go. Let's go to the mountains. Let's take a hike. Let's get out of the town. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why the Buddha talked about the Sangha and going to the, uh, uh, to the forest. Why? Because the forest is empty of the village. That's in a sutta, by the way. <laughs> the only village that's in the, in, the, uh, in the forest is the village that some poor monk carried in there in his mind. Mm-hmm. But when the village is not in the mind, then it's not in the forest. <laughs> okay, so this is how you can get started with it is to give up the worldly duties for the family and everything and let the wife run the household. Hmm. Then you can, you can find another job that doesn't require you to feel bad. In fact, Willie and I, uh, who's just uh, called, uh, have been talking about that. And that one thing for sure now he knows that he does not want a promotion. He does not yeah, want yeah. to become the boss. Because he sees that all the bosses that he has are the ones who were frustrated and uptight and angry and sore and want mm, more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weird the, with me, it feels like my like I generally get along well with the people I work with. I don't really like the the work itself is pretty neutral as far as like it's not. I'm not like selling cigarettes to kids or anything. It's like a pretty, it's like software kind of stuff. But uh, it seems like even in doing my job, there's could be just opportunities to be mindful doing that. All right. Like Like a lot of the suffering is just stuff that I'm, what I'm about to say is actually worth a whole Dhamma talk or more. Mm -hmm. But the way that I would tell you now in a short way is by saying that your job at work is to be friends with all the people at work. Mm -hmm. That the job really is not important. But having friends at work, that's important. So stop Mm -hmm. competing with any of them and become friends with them instead. Now, I know that's a tall order, but that's the way to start approaching one's job, is that it's not a job anymore. It's where I go all day to play. (laughs) No, I definitely had made some moves in that direction. So I do get along with people. 
I would. That's, uh, that's Meta. Yeah. That's yeah. Karuna. That's Mudita. <laughs> Go spread your joy. Go get some joy when that thing in your mind says you ought to meditate. You know, that same voice is going to become out in public. You ought to go do this. You ought to go do that. You'll be telling that to other people, not just yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you develop the, um, the skill, when you develop the habit of joyfulness, then that's what you'll be telling your friends. Mm-hmm. Joyful things. So practice joy in order to spread joy. And spreading joy is a practice of more joy. So that's the way to go to work. Is don't yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> Go enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's weird because I keep wanting to ask you, like, oh, so now should I go meditate six times a day for 10 minutes? But uh, it seems like, I don't know, like, without that, uh, voice telling me to do things like sometimes it, like, like that'll clear up for a second and then it's just sort of you know the, the, the present moment and just this I, I get the sense of like confusion ah but then you can say I see that confusion yeah yeah and then you can be happy it's not even like a an unpleasant I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, go investigate. Take a look at it. With the primary um, directive is is that unless you know that this is wholesome, mm-hmm. it's probably a hindrance. Hmm. In other words, when you see something, if you don't burst right out laughing over it, then it's probably a hindrance. Yeah. And so you should spend your time busting out in laughter more often. Mm-hmm. As if that was the only job you had to do, except busting out in laughter is not a job. <laughs> it's a joy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I really seem to like thinking a lot. And that's something like... Uh, like I went through this whole phase where... I'd, it, I was just super into anything like Buddhism, Dharma related, Taoism, like just reading all kinds of stuff and then trying to create like some map of like all the different systems and how they like interrelate to each other. And it got a, it seems like I was probably overdoing it a little bit, but at the same time, is it okay to have, you know, something like that where like I actually just enjoy? Is it enjoyable? Hmm. Okay. Like, like that's the, the metric for. Yeah. Yeah. The Dhamma itself is wholesome. If you're spending time thinking about the Dhamma and putting it together, that's wholesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, it just boils down to again and again, like just looking at the current moment and like mm-hmm. wholesome, not wholesome. I can. Right. So be aware that uh, you want to meditate is an unwholesome mm-hmm. thought. That one's an easy one to think wrongly about. Oh, that, yeah, I should yeah. meditate, right? I'll, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. No, 
that's actually a hindrance to actually be in meditation. Hmm. That's why you don't do it, is because you're in hindrance. So the next time that thought occurs, you ought to meditate. You can say, ah, I see you. Yeah. I got you. And then I if I have, that. is it then okay to go meditate? Because sometimes I'll be. You don't doing... have to get out of your chair, though. Yeah. Mm. You don't have to go to meditate. Mm. You can just do it right here, wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. But what if I want to go sit down and do it? And is that? Then, then <laughs> do it joyfully. Yeah, yeah. Not because you should, but because you recognize that you do get really good benefit out of mm -hmm. getting away from it all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got some people waiting, so sure, I'll sure. let you go now. Perfect, and perfect. we'll uh, talk to you at a later time. Sounds go good. practice. Go practice. I will. I will. This, yeah, I'll practice listening to that parent telling you you ought to do this and you ought to do that. Come out of your shoulds and woulds and coulds. Sounds good. Thanks for the talk. All right. All right. We'll see you. Bye.